Welcome into another episode of the Negative or Positive Vibes podcast. CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborg's with you. As always, Spilly, we've been tracking this. We are getting closer and closer to uh, the end of the season. We are taping this on Wednesday night, September 20th. As we are taping this, by the way, uh, pretty much every game is done. As far as the uh, games that matter, the Tigers and the Dodgers uh, still playing, but all the important games are over. Things pretty crazy in the American League West right now with a half a game separating the Astros, Mariners, uh, and Rangers. That is really kind of fun uh, to see. The Rays had an opportunity to gain a game on the Orioles. They didn't take it. Uh, They still trail by two and a half uh, in the American League East. The American League Central is in pretty good shape for uh, the Twins. They are now uh, nine up. Wild card is going to be great the rest of the way as well on both sides, American League, uh, with those teams that I mentioned that are all kind of competing, including The Toronto Blue Jays, the National League is getting nuts, although we are starting to see the San Francisco Giants uh, start to slip away here um, a little bit. But we want to talk about some history uh, that we have seen Spilly and continuing to see as we get a little bit closer. The reality of Ronald Acuna Jr. uh, going 40 and 70. He's already basically in territory uh, that we have not seen before, but we like round numbers. 39 home runs, 67 stolen bases. Uh, We still have a week and a half to go in the season, right around 10 games for uh, most teams. I mean, confidence has got to be pretty high that he is going to get this done. And uh, I don't care about the new rules or not, Spilly. This is really special. Yeah, I think there's there's a backlog story to this with those new rules. But the fact that there is never the history of baseball been a 40 70 uh, and he's getting there. You asked me this like three weeks ago. You remember and you were like. This is when he got to 30, 60. And you're like, do you think he can do 40, 70? I was like, I don't know. I don't, I mean, it doesn't seem likely because you'd have to hit, you know, nine home runs in September. And what has he done? He He's done that. So he, he's, he's on a tear. He wants it. You could tell he wants to get to 40. The fact that he had two home runs yesterday, uh, I almost thought he was going to do it again today. Uh, from a national perspective too, I think for, like it should get some significant media attention to degree. I mean, like when it comes to, there's only been, uh, what is it? Four players in the history of the game to ever go 40, 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the fact that he's about to go 40, 70 is just like, it's, it's ludicrous. And the last time that we've actually had a 40, 40 player, I remember it because I was in the big leagues, uh, with the Rockies. We went to Washington. We saw, uh, the Washington Nationals at the time they were playing at RFK Stadium. This is before they got their their fancy new stadium. And uh, I used to joke that the Washington Nationals of of 2006 had the best parking lot of major league cars in the history of the game. That like they had Porsches and Lamborghinis and like Range Rovers and like the nicest cars you've ever seen. Like they were parking lot pipping uh, in 2006. Every car had spinners and big old rims and all this stuff. And on that team was Alfonso Soriano. And that was the last time we've had a 40, 40 player. It's crazy to think Alfonso Soriano with the Washington nationals was the last uh, 40, 40 player. And so for Acuna, for Acuna, like Michael Harris likes to say for, for Acuna, basically almost 20 years later, uh, 40 and 70 is just, even other players, when I when I ask him, like I I saw Rockies player Nolan Jones, mm. and uh, he just had his twentieth stolen base, and he's a fifteen fifteen, and he has less than a hundred games played. And uh, we were talking about you know like hitting for power, 
and then stealing bases. He's like, dude, like, how is that even possible to go 40 homers and 70 stolen bases? How is that even possible? Yeah, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds like something that would happen in a video game. And it's always cool, I think, to hear from other big leaguers. And I don't doubt that around the league, everybody is in awe of what he has done. Uh, does it matter to you at all? And I, there's really no way to put a dent in any of this. Uh, but the fact that Ronald Acuna Jr. has been caught uh, 13 times is the highest number that we have seen in five years. We haven't seen a base runner uh, get caught that many times since 2018 when Ender uh, Enciarte did it. Uh, he only stole 28 bases that year, but he was caught uh, 14 times. So he's also in some interesting territory. I mean, he's going for it, like you said. Like, he obviously wants it, and it's worked for this offense with the Braves. Um, but the overall stealing percentage, for whatever that is worth, um, for him, uh, 84%. Uh, so he has been caught 16. That's still way above. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's still way above. Well, I mean, we used to talk about 75%. Anything about yeah. 80 is good. We're, eight, we're uh, at 80 so now. 84. The league average is down to 80 now because of everything that's been going on with the um, with the uh, stolen, with the uh, bigger bases. I had a teammate. Uh, this was in the minor leagues, and I was trying to get him to steal 50 bags. And I think he got close to 50. He was, like, caught, like, 20-something times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and my, my one of my coaches, CJ, he was the one that that put it in my mind too. He goes, if you steal fifty bags, nobody asks how many times you got thrown out yeah. on the bases. You stole fifty. It's a good point, Billy. It's a good point, and it's also kind of interesting just seeing the total number uh, around baseball right now. We have three thousand two hundred and eighty-eight. As you and I are having this uh, conversation, and uh, pretty amazing to see uh, that the bump that we have gotten right now. Uh, in Major League Baseball, we are now um, getting close. We're not quite there yet, um, and you know we have it. We'll take out some of those, um, you know, the black and white years, as we like to call them, on uh, on loud outs. And as far as things that happened in uh, at least the 1800s, right? It was a completely different game. We were talking about the Giants yeah. and the errors that they have made, uh, and wondering like, oh, okay, well, are they close to like a, a a Giants record? No, because there was a Giants team that had over 300 errors uh, in a game. We cannot compare. Uh, those old generations to where we are now. But uh, as far as league-wide, what's going on with the stolen bases, uh, it has been a while since we have been at the number. Currently, uh, 13th all-time in baseball history, going back to 1901, the total stolen bases. And the rate that we're going, uh, it'll easily be top 10 uh, this year. So Ronald Acuna Jr. doing some really great things. 10 games to go for the Atlanta Braves. I wonder if he'll play in all of them. You know, quite honestly, I know they got to want to pick their spots, but then they also know they're going to have a few days off when the regular season ends. So they're going to be in a weird spot. Of course, they want to keep him healthy. Uh, but to see 40, 70, pretty cool. Um, also really cool to see Spilly what Corbin Carroll um, has done now. Just the 13th time in Major League Baseball history um, where we have seen 25 and 50, 25 home runs, 50 stolen bases for Corbin Carroll. He becomes only the second rookie to ever go 25-40 in a season, joining Mike Trout, um, which is really cool. And so these dynamic players uh, that have power, uh, that have athleticism, and can steal bases. It's not just Ronald Acuna Jr. that is doing this, and we saw it a little bit with Corbin Carroll, but now here in his first full year, uh, he had a pretty special one. And it's not done yet, but it's been a special one. So one of the things that I, I love about the younger players that we're watching is there is that athletic athletic element and I think in the case of Corbin Carroll you know like when, when we talk about because you and I'd love to talk about youth and amateur sports um, the showcase players showcase players are eyewash to me they always have been eyewash to me 
uh, you know, like the big guy that's six foot five and it's ball 500 feet. Uh, you may, maybe somebody has like one nice tool. He throws really hard, whatever. You, you kind of project this body, this body type that you're like, man, if he can only figure it out, uh, mm-hmm. this guy's going to be so good at the big league level. You tell me how many of those guys are out there. You show me how many six foot five monsters are out there. And I will point to you that Jose Ramirez just had his 200th stolen base the other day. Mm. He's one of the few players. There's been 43 players in the history of baseball that have over 200 home runs and 200 stolen bases. Jose Ramirez is one of them. He's five foot 10. Um, in the case of Corbin Carroll, he's about five, 10, 160 pounds. Uh, in the case of, of Ronald Cunha, he's a freak, but he's not, he's not six foot five. You know, mm-hmm. he's six one, really fast twitch. Bobby Witt Jr., I see eye to eye with him. Julio Rodriguez is is big. But my point is, is is like athleticism doesn't come in one size. And yeah. beyond that, you know, being able to put the ball in play and make solid contact and guys that have lower strikeout rates and players that have athletic abilities that are not just like I run fast, but intelligence, baseball IQ, knowing how to run the bases, knowing how to cut the pillows, knowing, you know, after one engagement, I could maybe get a half a step lead or this guy's a high leg kick in, in a, in a hitter's count or, or, you know, when it's two outs, this guy doesn't pay attention. Like Mm -hmm. those are the things necessary to steal bags. So to me, what, what we're seeing with some of these young players is athleticism, baseball IQ, contact and kind of what you want to see in a player, which is, you know, line to line, all fields, like a complete baseball player, both yeah. sides of the baseball. But you, I and wonder like if we're seeing it, what makes, yeah, but I wonder if we're seeing it player wide, right? The guys that you're talking about, the special players are the ones that are getting done, but is that really what is happening? I had a conversation a decade ago, uh, maybe not quite a decade ago, but close to 10 years ago with a baseball executive. I brought this up on our show before, who had told me uh, when they bring players into their system, they assume that the baseball IQ is zero. And they do that now more than ever because it is the showcase generation, right? And you're going and you're showing off your skills and it's nobody's fault as far as the players that are participating in that because they're almost being told that's what you have to do. Um, And so when you get a guy that has really good baseball IQ, now you're going to stick out more than ever and you can see what's happening with the really good base runners and the athletic players. And it's funny you bring it up. I don't know if you saw the, the Doug Mankiewicz uh, tweet that he sent out it was about five hours ago. I saw this. So when you brought this up, it kind of caught my attention. Uh, but it was a quote from Don Manningly, a great Don Manningly. I was a Don Manningly fan growing up as a kid, had him later as a coach uh, with the Yankees. And he was talking about the game. He said, this is a game of competition and adjustments. It's not showcases or spring training games. What worries me is that we're evaluating on some of the wrong things. You can't evaluate a player simply by exit velocity or launch angle, things like that. Hitting, as you just said, is about situations and adjustments to how you're being pitched, right? And so I think the time that you can spend, I get it. You want to develop your skills. Of course, you'd like to have great power. You'd like to be able to show that power, hit to all of it. Uh, But if you don't have the baseball IQ, if you don't know how to play the game, you're going to be behind the eight ball. Uh, when you start getting around like players, right? Because the players that, as you sit there and move up more and more from high school to college, and then hopefully professionally, and every and every level, players get better, and it's hard to separate by talent. Now it's going to be separation by, of course, uh, the baseball IQ. And that could still be taught uh, once you get to the professional levels. We talk about mentorship all the time with older players and learning those little things. Uh, but there's something about having it early 
that gets you the young stars right away that you get an opportunity to be something really special. I think Corbin Carroll is a good example of what you're talking about. I exactly. And, and Corbin Carroll, you know, if you watch it, you talk to Tori Lovello, you talk to you, uh, people around the, the Diamondbacks organization, even, even people, uh, in the Seattle area, the Seattle proper area where, where he grew up, they said, you know, he studied the game. He cared about the game. If you watched him play, he would not stand out to you in like, wow, this guy's like the best player I've ever seen. You go, oh, you know, he's like a fine wine or he's he's somebody that, you know, kind of grows on you. Um, but I, I do think these the rules ultimately, CJ, for me, the rules that we've seen adjusted, the increase in, you know, batting average because of non-shift rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so guys are just trying to hit the ball hard. The, the you know, kind of the encouragement of stealing bags, the, the disengagement rule doesn't really do much. I think the larger bags does. I mean, I think that's the part that has increased it. I don't think the disengagements really have done anything. I saw some uh, broadcaster notes today about, you know, like, the stolen base attempts based on disengagement mm-hmm. and like, guys are stealing on the first, on the first pitch, like disengagements actually didn't do anything. So here, here's here stolen base success rate by disengagement count uh, with zero disengagements. It's 80% with one disengagement. It's still 80%. Um, and there, and there's not like an increase And by uh, with two disengagements, it's, it actually lowers the 78%. So like the disengagements don't really do much. The larger bags do. Mm-hmm. And then to the point of Don Mattingly, I think these players, for example, like Jose Ramirez is four stolen bases away from being 2030. Fernando Tatis is, is two stolen bases away from being 2530. These are intelligent base runners. Mm-hmm. Trey Turner is two stolen bases from being 2630. So you have all these guys like Kyle Tucker's two homers, two stolen bases away from being 3030. Bobby Witt's a homer away from being uh, 30 50, you know, well, he needs two stolen bases. He's a 30 50 guy. So like a lot of these players that I'm talking about, you know, they do have, they've been making good contact. They're high contact rate hitters for the most part. And then I think they're intelligent base runners. Yeah, they definitely get it. And yeah, part of it, it certainly helps. I think uh, to some degree to have those bigger bases and players feeling more emboldened and encouraged to go and, uh, that has played a role in what we're seeing, but no, I'm with you. I think these are the guys that get it again, whether they're coming out of college or high school, but studying the game, knowing the game, it's going to be a lot of fun when Jackson holiday gets to the big leagues as well. We saw a big group of prospects already kind of on um, their way and guys, some that got drafted this year that were in the big leagues. There's some rumblings uh, here in Texas about Wyatt Langford, who was the fourth overall pick. Would he be able to potentially get to the big leagues this year? He is tearing up every single level. And you're not doing that just based on raw talent, right? You've got to be a smart player uh, to move along quickly, just like the Angels with Nolan uh, Shanowell. They're not moving him along if they don't think he's an intelligent player. He knows the strike zone really well, doesn't chase. He's drawn more walks and strikeouts. Those kinds of things are going to give you an opportunity to move along. And this is the way you separate yourself. I will say on batting average, uh, we're up six points, 243 to 249 right now. I think I said 255 in my uh, preseason prediction. We were talking about it, which is a big jump. It would have been 12 points, but it has definitely helped. As far as the new rules go, as we start to wind down the first season of these, uh, the no shift rule has just been great, man. It is so nice to see line drives uh, you know, in the outfield at 200 feet away from home plate that are actually falling in for base hits. 
and no more seeing those middle infielders out there, uh, no longer seeing three infielders on one side of the infield. But I did think we would see a little bit of a bigger jump. Now we got about a 29-point jump in OPS, uh, which is certainly good in the game. That's Slugging huge. is up considerably. Um, base is up eight points um, to 320 as it stands right now, but a little bit lower than I thought on batting average, uh, sitting at uh, 249 right now, plus six points from a year ago. I think it's going to improve because I do believe to the point we made earlier about baseball players, athleticism, contact, baseball IQ, non-showcase players, we are going to see increases in those type of guys. We're going to see, like Jackson Holiday is a, is a contact hitter. Mm-hmm. Wyatt Langford is a contact hitter. These aren't like Joey Gallo types. We're not yeah. going to get, we're not going to, like the Joey Gallo types, the Kyle Schwarber types, those aren't like you're going to get those on occasion. You're going to get those on occasion, but that's not going to be what's scouted and looked for. Mm-hmm. What's going to be scouted and looked for is athletic, dynamic, take advantage because the stolen base does matter, contact because it translates to power, stay in the strike zone, top of the strike zone, adjustments, hitters. We are going to see hitters. Luisa Rise, thank God for Luisa Rise. Mm-hmm. Because those type of guys, the non look good in uniform, you know, the money ball kind of argument, he's slow. What position does he play? He doesn't hit for a ton of power. Dude, the guy has a, a, a an OPS that's higher than most, even with guys that slug. So it, there's different ways to to feed a to feed a horse or to feed a cat, because I don't like to to skin a cat. Mm. Um I I think we're going to see those type of athletes. We're going to see shorter, more dynamic, athletic athletes playing baseball than in upcoming years. Yeah. And you mentioned some of the kind of outlier guys, I think, in Joey Gallo. And obviously, it hasn't worked as well over the last couple of years. But when, when he was hitting 40 home runs, it did work. Right. And so for Kyle Schwarber now, uh, where he's got 45 this year, 46 last year, uh, even though the batting average is ridiculously low, 198 right now. Uh, but because the on base is there, the on base and the home runs are are what makes it work. But he again, he's such a rarity. And it's once one of those things starts to go away, power comes down or the on base goes down, uh, then it's a lot it's a lot more difficult to justify that kind of player in your lineup. But I'm still okay with him. You can't have a bunch of them. Um, it seems to be working in Philly. It's kind of fun too to watch him uh, bat near the top of the lineup. It is so unique, but that is rare. Uh, that is rare. The direction you're talking about players going in and what we're seeing with this athleticism. Ronald Acuna Jr. trying to get to this uh, crazy 40-70. Corbin Carroll uh, already doing something that only he and Mike Trout has done as rookies, which is kind of crazy with the 25-40. And he's got a a 25-50 season going right now. Uh, It's great. It's great for the game. This is the. Do you think somebody will ever be able to repeat that? I guess that's the question. Which one? If we we think 40-70 is like this unattainable number, is this the first and last time we'll ever see it? Or do you think uh, based on on what we're just talking about, athleticism, more and more players kind of stealing bags, more homers because there's more contact, that 40-70 is maybe the tip of the iceberg. We might see a 50-80. We might see a, a 50-100. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because the 100 came up even when we had the new rules, and I was like, nah, we're still there's no chance. Like, it's taken everything for Ronald Acuna Jr. to get there. The, I guess the question becomes is who has that kind of power that could run like that besides Acuna, right? And we got 29 home runs, as you mentioned right now for Bobby Witt. Does he really have 40 home run power? 
He's got 650 plate appearances right now. Could he do it? And even then, and then how far are you going to let him go on the stolen bases? I don't know, man. It sounds like a lot. 50, 80 sounds ridiculous, but 47, 40, 70 sounded ridiculous before this uh, season started. So uh, it feels like we're going to be near the peak, I think, to some degree. Uh, who knows, man? Who the heck knows? It is. Uh, it has been wild to watch. And another kind of factor with this is how does it affect voting for awards? Like, how are we valuing the stolen base for the longest time? I say longest time, but with the new generation and the way that we were thinking about the game and coming from an analytics standpoint, stolen bases were down because of the risk first reward and they weren't valued nearly as much. And so we saw teams doing it less. And now we know what kind of pressure it can put uh, certainly on teams and on pitchers. And it's been it's been great. It's been great for the game. But where do you think we go when it comes to valuing the stolen base? Uh, voting for certain guys. I mean, Ronald Acuna Jr. as an example with the great season that Freddie Freeman is having. Uh, is there? A, do we feel like this stolen base thing is something that doesn't get credit, or should it put a guy over the top if they're if they're close? I think. Well, a couple things. Uh, we'll see how it translates financially. It usually takes a year or two for that to kick in. My guess is, if it's anything like we saw with home runs, it's going to water down stolen bases. So. Um, how we, you know, how we look at a 10 stolen base guy that used to have a little bit more value 10 years ago, 10 stolen bases, not going to even move the needle, um, 20 stolen bases. will probably go. I mean, that's like a, that's a pretty decent player, but 25 stolen bases. Now we're talking about moving the needle. Um, you start getting into the thirties and forties. Okay. That's an elite player. Um, just like in home runs, like we were seeing multiple guys, uh, in the nineties during that PD era, you're getting 20 home run count guys all the time you know like so like 30 became the marker then once you started seeing a bunch of 30s then it was like 40 um so to me i think i think home runs will always carry the most weight home runs and stolen bases as a combo like a kyle tucker would still carry significant value for me but i will point out and i and i do believe this is going to occur every single one of the players that i mentioned that is a 20 like a 20 home run 20 stolen base guy. Mm-hmm. The oldest one in the group is 30 years old. They're oh, all yeah. they're yeah. all young. They're Corbin Carroll's 22, Tatis is 24, mm-hmm. uh, Kyle Tucker's 26, Bobby Witt's 23, Julio's 22, Acuna's 25. Yeah. What I think is going to get valued more is age. Age is going to be worth the most. Mm-hmm. I always think that age has been worth the most. I think age in this day and age with stolen bases is going to be worth the most. Yeah, I think it's probably a fair um, point. And it's interesting, too, as you bring up, you know, age in 2020 and wondering about, uh, you know, voting years and how things are going to go here as far as some of the awards. Now, he's not having a great overall year. He's having some issues defensively um, that we have seen, but there's power there. But Anthony Volpe is a 2020 guy. Right. I mean, he's done it. He's done it kind of quietly. For the, you know, which is hard to do in New York. And partially, I think, because of the team not doing well and there's some, and he's not hitting for average at all. But 21 homers, 24 stolen bases for him in his rookie year. And you really kind of anticipate that it'll only get better uh, from here for him. Now, of course, Corbin Carroll has also done it. And so we have a couple of rookies that have done it this year. We had two rookies do it last year, which is kind of amazing. Uh, one, uh, that was Bobby Witt Jr. and Julio Rodriguez, and then Randy Rosarena did it in 2021. And then it wasn't until 2017, Andrew Benatendi with an even 
2020. So, I mean, it is kind of a big deal. Again, I know that the generations have changed, but 2020 is a rookie. Um, not that common, but we've had we've seen it now twice this year, and we saw it twice last year. And so, you know, here we kind of go with. Um, you and know, if with Nolan this Jones generation. can hit three more homers, you'll you'll have Nolan Jones from the Colorado Rockies is in there too. Yeah, and I would just feel very comfortable saying probably the first time we've ever had three rookies do that um, in a season. Because it's funny now, 20 home runs, it's nothing to sneeze at, right? But because we're starting to see big numbers and have recently, um, you know, I say recently over years, but I, this might be it. I'm looking at now. Chris Young did it in 2007. Mike Trout did it. That. Going, going back to 2000, there's only been eight guys that have done it. Like you said, we're probably going to get um, another. We actually may get three this year. So uh, it's incredible. You go back to the years when you would get the guys with the big stolen bases. They were just not hitting um, for power. 13 guys since 1980, as I continue to go back further and further on 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases. 13. That's been it, man. That is absolutely um, wild. Speaking of wild, uh, we have covered the Shohei Otani story uh, with the injury. First, it was the elbow injury. Then it was the oblique. Then it was the craziness of is a locker getting emptied out? And what does that mean? And obviously there was some bad information that ah. was floating around. Um, and we kind of broke that one down. But he will now get uh, the elbow surgery, Spilly. Uh, get it done. But just, I don't know. What would you think of the statement? Uh, I mean, I get it when you're his agent and trying to protect everything about Shohei Otani. Um, but it's still just a little bit strange as far as what's going on with him. This, I mean, so a couple things on, first off, we kind of told you, when it came to Otani clearing out the locker, that's that's it. That's an end of the year surgery deal. Um, so there was like there's no quitting on the team. And again, like for the for the last bleeping time, Corey Seager is not winning an MVP. Julio Rodriguez is not winning an MVP. Yanni Diaz is not winning the MVP of the American League. Am I missing anybody here? Um, Kyle Tucker is not winning an MVP. They're all having fantastic years. Mm-hmm. And no one's sniffing Shohei Otani. No one is sniffing even close. It's like I could send him the deal now. I could I could hand walk it to him. Mm-hmm. Nobody is beating Otani. This year is ridiculous. He's still 44 home runs, leads the American League. Stop. Um, and he didn't quit on his team. So stop that narrative too. It's not a real thing. He also did not fly back to Japan. He did not fly to Japan and fly back. That was another false narrative. Stop. Enough. Uncle. Mm-hmm. What happened? What, what now, where this one has kind of gone sideways for me was the statement. It was so vague and kind of like, what was the surgery? Because they're like, well, we're looking at long term and short term. He'll be ready to hit next year. We'll pitch in 2025. We addressed something that's really important, but kind of took care of the other stuff. What the hell does that mean, CJ? <laughs> Did he have internal brace surgery? Did yeah. he have Tommy John? <laughs> it sounds like he had internal brace surgery. That sounds what like what he had. Yes. Yeah, so it sounds like, hey, we, we want to make sure we're still going to get paid really, really well uh, this offseason, which he's going to. Uh, but perhaps why they would not want to give the details of the exact surgery. Now, anybody that's interested in Shohei Otani will know because they're going to see those medicals and there's no way you're giving him the kind of money he's going to command this winter without, without knowing exactly uh, what that surgery was, but you're right. And the statement was a little bit unusual. The ultimate plan after defibrillation was with Shohei was to repair the issue at hand and to reinforce the healthy ligament in place while adding viable tissue for the longevity of the elbow. That was the doctor uh, who performed the surgery and then his agent and adding 
I expect full recovery. He'll be ready to hit without any restrictions come opening day and do both hit and pitch come 2025. And so everybody kind of that tried to dig into this. And as always, Jeff Fletcher does a really good job uh, covering uh, the angels and went around and kind of asking some more doctors and trying to get exactly what you were asking an answer to the idea of, well, what exactly was it? And I think that those that he asked ultimately drew the conclusion that it probably was the internal brace surgery, which has been kind of a new option for those that have had these elbow injuries. Two Ranger pitchers had it uh, recently, so recently within the last couple of years, and Jonathan Hernandez and Jose LeClerc. Uh, we've seen it with hitters, right, and others, and it does allow you uh, to come back quicker. And so I don't know why they just wouldn't come out and say it. Uh, maybe because everyone wants to put their timeline on it when that happens and look at the history of that surgery. But I remember it's also with second elbow surgery. So second time around and now doing it with internal brace, what does that mean? Um, you know, it could be a little bit longer, but he's not going to pitch. And so he's got himself a year and a half uh, before he'll pitch, which should be plenty of time. If he's going to be able to do it, he'll be able to do it in a year and a half. I, I know we're going to have plenty of time uh, as the offseason unfolds to figure out what the overall value of his contract is going to be. I don't think the injury waters down Otani too much. Um, yeah, I saw some talking heads. I think it was Stephen A. Smith and Don't. and uh, and Mad Dog Russo. They were like, he's not worth $500 million because he doesn't bring in the attendance. They don't win, and he doesn't people put people in their seat. That is such a naive... Doesn't put people in the seats. Come on. Stupid, stupid no, I, comment. I especially, especially where we're talking about the entire country. Uh, that watches yeah. everything he does. I mean, there there's very few players in any sport that can command the, the marketing dollars of an entire country. And that's mm-hmm. what Otani does. That's what he has done. It's $60 million in, in revenue from what we've heard uh, year after year after year. And in angels market where they haven't won, uh, they have still commanded that, which is still, you know, it's a phenomenal market. I can't, I could only imagine if Otani goes to a team like the Dodgers or Seattle uh, anybody that's actually winning going to the postseason, mm-hmm. that the marketing dollars for Otani from just the United States versus um, what happens in in Japan, like it's going to be like the contract will pay for itself. Mm-hmm. A five hundred million dollar contract would be paid for just by marketing alone of Shohei Otani. So um, people from the outside continue to say stupid things. Doesn't surprise us, uh, but that's why you listen to us here on Loudouts. Uh, to to shoot it to you straight and to give you like the, not the better word, but the actual truth of what's going on out there. You think 500 million though, that they, that you're making that money back all of it. I think you're getting pretty damn close. If the team is, yeah. if, the, if the team is, is, is a postseason team. I mean, it, it would it'd be hard to delineate the difference between like CJ. If you go back, cause you can, you can go back and look at the 2021 SEC filings for Liberty Media, who owns the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. And uh, just look at what happened during their World Series run. It was $100 million. And now it's a little bit different because we're talking about a development of the battery. Um, but you're talking about a third quarter earnings of, a, of $100 million from the Atlanta Braves because they, they went to the World Series. Yeah. That, and the battery, and, right? Is that include the battery? Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And yeah. it includes the, the development. But regardless, yeah. I mean that that gives you an idea of what a postseason team can do. Now, if you add on top of that the what Otani would bring to you during that time frame, it, it would dwarf what the Atlanta Braves of 2021 does. Yeah. If it's the right team. 
right? I mean, it wouldn't happen in Detroit, even if they go to the postseason. I just don't think you'd see the numbers. But you mentioned the Dodge and the and the Tigers obviously are not going to be in on Shohei Otani, and he's probably going to very likely go to someplace huge like uh, the Dodgers. I know some East he Coast should teams go to Atlanta. Hoping. Yeah, I mean, it would be a good spot for him. You know, if he wants to do it, I, you know, again, the only thing you run into with him is that you cannot have anybody else get a DH at bat. Damn, Marcelo right. Zuna's done after this year, right? No, I know. I'm saying, but that's just, I thought he had one more year. But either way, that's, that becomes, for any team, it becomes problematic, right? So if you want to get Sean Murphy a day off his legs and want him to DH and not catch that day, um, you can't do it. Like, there's just not going to be very uh, many opportunities to do it at all. Ozuna's got uh, one more year at uh, $18 million, and then there's a team option uh, for 16 So they do control him for two more yeah. years. Adi- adios. To. I mean, I would yeah. take Ot- Otani to Atlanta would be one of the craziest things you've ever seen in baseball. I don't think they'll do it. I mean, they are so locked in to all of these really good contracts, and they have all this balance right now, and they're dominating. I would have traded him there last year. I pushed for it last year at the deadline. I we both that was did. Right we fit. wanted to see it because yeah. it would have been ridiculous. They, they seem like the best match. Um, we'll see. I don't know. They they could pull it off probably. They're sitting at a $204 million payroll right now, according to uh, roster resource. And not a lot coming off as you sit there and look. Uh, some, but not 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 the big the, guys, obviously, in the CJ, big numbers. And they got to address starting rotation. Well, I mean, you do, but the, but Otani would fill that need in twenty twenty five. Maybe the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves would be the most popular team on the planet, beyond the Yankees, beyond the Dodgers, beyond anything we've ever seen before. It's like Messi with the MLS and and FC Miami. Uh, there would be Otani Braves jerseys from here to there. Yeah, the, the the financial part of it is what makes it so fascinating, right? If you sit there and try to look at it objectively i feel like eh, maybe not the right move um for them but when you sit there and look at okay well what's the real out of pocket because of what he brings to the table it's different it's just completely different they're going to draw probably three million fans this year they're getting pretty closer at 2.9 they were at 3.1 uh last year the year they won the world series only 2.3 million uh for them but of course you get the bump uh post world series and right now they're seeing some pretty big numbers and um, you know, could they get to where they were in 1993 prior to the strike? Uh, franchise best 3.8 uh, million with Shohei Otani. Uh, maybe it could be a possibility. Uh, and that's not even spilly for me. The most interesting story about a Japanese player, by the way, here real quick before we get out of here. Did you see the Yusei Kikuchi uh, comment about uh, his? Yeah, he only got a lo- 11 he, hours of sleep. He, he only got 11 or 14. Spilly. Uh, he usually needs 13 or 14. I think there's a number in there somewhere where there's such a thing as sleeping too much. I know we uh, struggle to sleep probably more and more because how much we're staring at screens. Um, but that was ridiculous. I can't, there's no chance I could sleep at any moment for 13 or 14 hours, but he acts like he needs 13 to 14 every night. But that's why his neck hurt. Cause he only got 11. It's a humble brag. We need 13 hours of sleep tonight. 13, no chance I'm getting 13. I got an off day tomorrow. Uh, the Rangers are off, but we do have radio, and so we look forward to that. Uh, on a Thursday and revisiting some of these conversations as well, uh, we appreciate your support and listening to the Negative War Positive Vibes podcast. Have a great day, everybody.